Welcome back. Episode 79 of Coffee with Craner. I have a really cool guest, not just because he's from uh, where I live in Amherstburg, but uh, I mean, he's doing some pretty amazing things. He's uh, James Hugh. You also can know him as Acro James on, on many social media platforms. He's a part of Positive Impact Movement. He's a professional acro athlete, has been featured on Ellen, America's Got Talent, and, and other ta Got Talent style shows. Um, James, thanks for being here. I'm so excited to talk about uh, the world of acro with you. <laughs> thanks. I'm really excited to be here too, man. <laughs> um, every show, I start off with a question relating to coffee. And I know your home base right now is in California, LA, uh, but you're always on the go in a million different countries. But in California, is there a favorite place you get coffee? Uh, so my favorite spot is actually in Santa Monica on a spot called Main Street. And it's uh, called Pepil Gustavive, which is Italian for taste bud. And okay. uh, it's like this place where, like, you know, if you're in LA, coffee's going to cost like seven bucks, but it is a good $7 to spend. Uh, everything's like made in house. Everything's organically purchased, purchased from like local farmer markets and everything. So it's, it's one of my favorite spots. So seven bucks, like that's like, just like a, like a, you know, a mom and like pop a, style coffee shop, or is that like Starbucks type of thing? It's like, it's, I think it's a, it's a one-off restaurant. That, okay. Like they don't even really consider themselves a coffee shop yet. They promote like the best coffee in Santa Monica, but to me it, it is the best coffee in Santa Monica. It's, it's pretty good. So then Starbucks must be like 14 bucks for a coffee. <laughs> yeah. No, Starbucks is like just at the same price. Seven oh, so bucks. You, yeah. So you might, as well, choose, might as well choose. choose local, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for those watching and some are from the Windsor Essex community. Uh, and, and after watching your Ellen show, you, you talked a little bit about moving to LA six, six years ago ish and really pursuing acrobatics, weightlifting, how did this start? I guess my first question, what age? Uh, so I got it. I didn't even know what acro was until I was about 24. So it was okay. something that was uh, brand new. And then like before, and then after I didn't know what it was until I was 24, like it took me about like a year and a half to even understand that there was like this entire world of, of like circus with this kind of stuff. Like for me, like the first year and a half was just very, very basic, like stuff that I could teach anyone on their, their very first day of acro. Um, and then it was just like completely expanded the more I kind of put myself out there. So it wasn't really like a lifelong thing where, you know, I was a gymnast growing up, then I went to performing school or anything like that. It, it was kind of just like one of these things where it found me really later on in life. And then I just ran with it from there. And what did, uh, like, I guess, what were you passionate about before Acro? I was a competitive MMA fighter for, okay. for about seven years. Uh, and then I basically ended my career with a, with a neck injury and then yeah. like could not get hit anymore. And I don't know if you know a lot about fighting, but if you can't get hit in fighting, you're probably not going to go very far. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, that was what I was into before that. So you can't get hit in the neck, but you can now put people on your neck. It's yeah. Just... <laughs> <laughs> it's Jeez. weird because like right now I'm in Arizona performing at a gig and my flyer is 180 something pounds and he stands on my head in the routine. So we're doing it pretty consistently. And then from there, he jumps off my head to go into a handstand where my hands are straight, like I'm holding him in my hands. And that type of compression doesn't really hurt me, but it's when I get like hit on the side and my skull yeah. like shifts, that's when it, when it hurts me. Yeah. It's dangerous. Um, what? So you, you about six years ago you moved to LA and pursued this this dream of of acro and 
all, all this good stuff. What really made you want to jump into it full time? Um, I've never really been much of a, like, I've never had a hobby in my entire life. <laughs> like, it's like either I love it and I want to yeah. be the best in the world at it. And I'm about to, con- like, it's going to consume my personality and my daily thoughts, or I'm not interested in it at all. And like, like, that's definitely like a, a mindset that like has held me back from a lot of things in life. Because if I don't have any enthusiasm, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Uh, or I make it my entire life and it becomes a passion like Acro did. Did you have somebody that like was showing you the ropes doing like, or like, well, from Amherstburg, like, I don't know if, are there many, you know, Amherstburg, Windsor, Essex, are there many people in Acro that you could meet up with and, and work on this type of stuff? Well, the first people that I learned it from was a performing group in Windsor called Sky Society. Uh, okay. There's like Christy, Bazaar, Amy Grant, and Safi. I don't know his last name. But uh, like Christy Bazaar is um, like DJ Smith's, like she's married to DJ Smith, which is like the Toronto Blue, or the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, one of like their head coaches or something. So like she, she was one of the first people that really introduced me to all of it. And then I went on this backpacking trip and I wound up in Melbourne, Australia. And I kind of just like flew into Melbourne because I'm like, you know, it's towards the bottom of Australia and I'm only going to kind of like get there for like a week and then work my way up Australia. And then I found that they had like this really like deep and rich circus community there. And then I would like completely fell in love. I spent the, the, the whole three months that I was in Australia in, in Melbourne, just like, I'm like, wow, this is actually a thing. And then that's where I've been a lot of like my very first mentors when it came to Acro. Huh. So when you, when you took the trip from <laughs> small town of Amherstburg to the big city of, of Los Angeles, like, did you, did you go with anybody or did you just like pack up your bags and you're like, I'll figure it out. <laughs> So when I, that backpacking trip that I just said, told you about, when I came back to Windsor, I was like, I need to get out of here. Like, this is like, I have like this goal that I need to kind of go pursue and I can tell I can't pursue it here. So I went to three different vacations. I went to Montreal, wasn't what for me, Miami wasn't for me. And then I went to LA, completely fell in love with it because of the circus slash acro stuff that I found there. So when I came back from that vacation, I uh, applied for my American passport because I've always had it just through like my dad being American. And the day mm-hmm. it came in the mail, I threw a bunch of stuff in a van that I was convinced wasn't going to make it to, to California. And so I only put enough in that I'm like, okay, I could fit this on my back and hitchhike the rest of the way if I need to. And, uh, <laughs> and then just drove out there by myself with no money, no job, no friends, no place to live, no anything other than just wanting to become an acrobat. And it definitely like brought some really, really tough times because when you don't have any money, you stop being able to afford things like food and gas and things like that. And, uh, so how'd you, like, yeah. if you don't mind me asking, how'd you come up with that, that money to, uh, know? so I, I would make like really small jobs. Like here, one second, my, I got to plug in my laptop. It's about to die. I forgot. No, my worries. One second. no worries. You're back. The verdict. Back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like my, how did you come up with, with cash, right? Like uh so at the beginning there there was like literally none. Like I would I would go sometimes like three days without food. And uh uh and there's even a point where I was literally sleeping on the streets because my, my van broke down and it was like 
I don't have a place to live and I don't know anyone here well enough to be like, Hey, can you just take me in for a little bit? And like my parents were always super supportive back at home. If I ever asked them for money, they would definitely give it. But I'm like, that's not the reason why I'm out here is to kind of like get bailed out when something gets hard. And uh, so I eventually started making like small bits of money coaching here and there, but there's points where like I would go weeks without making a single dollar. Yeah. Jeez. Like, <laughs> I, I, don't, I couldn't imagine putting myself like in that situation, like not knowing kind of what's next, right? Like mm-hmm. how, what, what was guiding you during that, that time? Um, I, I've always like kind of believed like if you, if, if it comes to sinking or swimming, you tend to swim, you know, you're going to find a way just to kind of keep your head above water for as long as you can. Yeah. And like, to me, it was like, I was putting myself into a situation where it was literally where it felt like life or death. Like I could choose to succeed at this, or I can just basically call myself a quitter, put my tail in between my legs, move back home. And then just basically just always have this like haunting feeling that I gave up on myself. Um, so, yeah. Was there a, a time where you wanted to just pack it all up? Uh, a lot. When you're, when you're hungry, hung, hunger is probably one of like the worst feelings in the world. You know what I mean? When you're like not eating at all and then you're very like drained and stuff all the time. And then a few bad things happen here and there. But uh, even just like having a lot of people tell me that I wasn't going to be able to succeed out there was a very big driving and motivational factor for me. Just because like if I feel like one of the sweetest things in life is, is doing things that people tell you you're not allowed or you're unable to do. And then and, doing it. And then doing it, right? Like if somebody was ever just like telling you like, no, like, for example, like if anyone's ever been like, come on, man, like you're starting a podcast, like what are you going to do with that? You're like, I'll show you what I'm going to do with it. Like I'm going to invest myself so fully into this that there's no way that you're going to tell me that I'm going to fail at it, right? And then one day you're going to ask me how I did it. And I know that you and I are probably like very similar in that that means, right? Like you're hustling really, really hard with this, just like I hustled really, really hard with my thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's... That's exactly it. And I, yeah. And it's even harder when you don't have the, that support system around you when you're just mm-hmm. like, it's just you. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and with acrobatics, like you have a team with positive impact movement, but I imagine like before that you had these one-off shows or, or, or something that you just mm-hmm. did by yourself. Yeah. Like, um, like it's crazy. Cause one of my very first uh performing gigs was actually with Cirque du Soleil so a lot of people don't know that because like they go like oh you must have been doing this your whole life like about three years after I learned how to do like acro I got hired by Cirque du Soleil and I thought that was just kind of like this really big like um stepping stone yes like like kind of like this moment where it was like oh you can't be an acrobat and then three years later I'm in the biggest company in the world as a hand-to-hand porter you know and what is that exactly? Hand to hand, hand to hand is where somebody does handstands in your hands, and a porter is somebody who's on the bottom as opposed to the one that's on the top. So okay. in acro, acro, everyone calls it a base. In circus, they call it a porter. Um, so yeah. Is there any other? Just out of curiosity, we'll go into some other questions. Is there any other types of acts that you would perhaps pursue in the future aside from acro? No, I don't think so. No, it strictly yeah. that. Like right now, actually, uh, me and three people are starting to do something like a motivational speaking thing uh, geared towards kids growing up. Um, And so we kind of like my one buddy who's a pretty well-known motivational speaker is kind of bringing us on because like kind of like talking about motivational things is one thing. But then if you're going to bring in like kind of like acrobats that kind of like 
kind of like show lessons in a really visually appealing way that kind of captures the attention of an entire room is another way to kind of like bridge into that. And so, so I'm slowly getting into motivational speaking, mostly because like when we talk about acro, a lot of people just see it as like from the outside perspective as a way where you're just like, oh, you're doing really impressive things with your body. But it's so much more than that because one thing that you're learning is to learn how to communicate with people around you super effectively. You're learning how to trust one another. You're finding community by, by going and doing these things. You're feeling the rush of risk and reward. Um, you're making really deep friendships because of it. Uh, and like, there's so many things that come from it that in like acro is just the what, but there's so many why reasons. Like, you know, like there's a why, how, and what. Why is like always like the biggest reason that you kind of really get behind things, right? Like, why do you, why do you do podcasting? For example, do you know, can you, can you explain why you do podcasting? I like, well, first, I guess I like meeting people, but I I also like being able to use this platform as a way to inspire those in the community that let's say they might not have had the opportunity to speak with you. I can be that medium where they're, they're able to have those conversations and they can pop questions in the comments. Um, And, you know, Windsor Essex is a great community to me and being able Mm -hmm. to highlight the success stories because there's many and, and you're one of them is just, you know, it's kind of my why for the show, right? Hell yeah. And see, I think that's like the most special thing ever, right? You found a reason that's super impactful to you and you found a way to then give that like that meaning to other people to help them benefit their lives. And I think that's like usually the most special thing in the world is like learning how to impact other people in a really positive and beneficial way. Definitely. And I wasn't even thinking of like, I guess the the psychology behind acro, right? Like you think about like team building activities that you'd have to do at work or school, like you're doing it right. Like (laughs) it's, it's completely team, team building. Like (laughs) you, you let the guy that you're holding up above you with like, I don't know, 90, hundred pound weights. Like yeah, your life's on the line, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like literally sometimes your life is literally on the line and without like a very like laser like focus and confidence in yourself and the person beside you or above you or below you um and learning how to communicate what's going to happen and what you kind of like what they should expect from you and what you should expect from them is a very very empowering thing and it's something Mm -hmm. that's like definitely transcended many other aspects of my life other than just like learning how to hold people over my head you know yeah yeah and and also you know adding into the mix the pressure of performing in front of people yeah when there's millions of people like literally millions of people watching I like, yeah, it's it's a unique feeling. Um, another thing, because we're on the a topic of millions of people watching you, you're on America's Got Talent, and I think was it France had a show as well, or Britain? That so you were we on? did we did uh, France's Got Talent, which is called Incroyable Talent, uh, and then we had uh, a show in Italy called Tusi Cavales, which is basically like another version of that, and then we went to the country, not the state, Georgia. Uh, which is like kind of like just north of Turkey. So like kind of in the Middle East, kind of in Europe. It's kind of a good blend of of both cultures. And uh, we went over there and actually got a golden buzzer because like the whole Got Talent show has golden buzzers in every show that they do. Wow. So What uh, before that, because we, we talked a little bit about some obstacles. I mean, throwing yourself in a van and, and, and figuring out how you can make it out in this, in this fascinating career. Are, are there any other obstacles you faced? Uh, leading up to this point that you really learned from? Other obstacles. 
Um, I guess like I really inju- did like a, injuries or, or something like oh, that. Inju- that. Oh, injuries, tons of injuries. Uh, like my neck recovering from fighting. Like, I don't feel like I ever really recovered from that until like two or three years later. Um, on top of that, I did have somebody fall on my, he was like, like 165 pound flyer and he was doing a one arm handstand on my head and he fell and the guy that was spotting him turned him the wrong way and he tried to exit the wrong way. And then the spotter just ended up dropping him and he like landed on my head and forced my ear to my shoulder. And I heard like this ripping sound. And oh. then like two hours later, I started developing stroke symptoms. Like wow. the left, the left side of my face started to droop down. Uh, my whole side of my like left side of my body started getting like numb and weak, and I could like hardly lift my arm. And I had like two different doctors say that they think that I had a really minor stroke at that moment, just because of all the damage that was caused to my neck when that happened. And uh, so that took me like eight months to recover from, and I was like doing physio sometimes eight hours a day, you know, like just to try to get my myself to move again and for my arm to feel normal again. Um, I've had wrist surgery at Cirque that took like four or five months to heal from. Um, I like, there's, there's lots of things. Oh, I tore a bunch of stuff in my elbow a little while ago. I've bulged discs in my back to the point where I couldn't even walk or stand up. Um, I've, I've been through it. (laughs) (laughs) And then plus, you know, fighting before that, like, yeah, (laughs) you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. In some way you're still getting hit. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. If someone's falling, you got to catch them. And it's your, your, it's your job to take the hit over your flyer. If you put them up in a dangerous position, you better make sure that they come down safely. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I Mm want to just transition. We had two questions that came in. Uh, First one was from Joshua Ryan. Uh, He's actually out in Amherstburg. So Josh, thanks for joining. Were your parents supportive of you moving to LA? Actually, my parents were probably two of the most supportive people ever for it. I even remember sitting around uh, a table because I have like a giant Italian family and everyone seems to be pretty successful in the family. And I remember like my parents flew me home for for Christmas. And at this point, like, you know, this is around the time that I'm going days without food and stuff. And uh, I remember people even like from like my extended family being like, what, you're going to go live in a van and be poor? Like, come on, like get real. Like you should actually like maybe go back to school or like use your like you know, like do something like more productive with your time. And my parents would be the first one to be like, you know what, you couldn't do what he's doing. So why don't you mind your business and like totally standing up for me? You know what I mean? And the only things my parents ever told me is that like, one, we're proud of you. And two, if you ever get in a real big pinch, tell us. Yeah. And so like, I don't think I could have ever done it without them. You know, like they're always kind of like in my corner. And so, yeah, yeah it's good to have that. Yeah. Parents are are honestly like, your biggest cheerleaders. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, that's absolutely. That's, that's really cool. Um, and then going back a bit to MMA, uh, how did your time in MMA go? Uh, you know, did you consider yourself successful in this? What was your busy- biggest obstacle that you faced in MMA as well? I think I was on the path to being very, cause like I was on the path to being very successful in it. Um, it was something that I completely devoted my life to. Just like I said, like I can't have hobbies. So I, I loved fighting. Fighting was the reason like, I woke up in the morning every morning. And uh, I had very, very high aspirations for myself. I was successful as an amateur fighter. And I, I feel like I would have been successful as a professional fighter as well because I was around professional fighters all the time. And when I'd mm-hmm. spar with them, I would normally feel like I was it's like obviously there is different levels of professional fighting right like there's guys <laughs> yeah. who are at the top level in the ufc and then there's guys who fight professionally 
there's vastly different things. I'm not saying that I was as good as guys in the UFC or at the top of the UFC, but like other pros, I, I felt like I could hang with them. Yeah. Um, and then, um, but like one of the biggest things was just injuries. My body yeah. is like super injury prone and like, you know, like just injuries and feeling hungry and stuff all the time was like a really big factor for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you burned all those calories. You probably super hungry, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Well, more from like having to make weight and like, like, oh, okay. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm naturally like 180 pounds, but I'd fight at 155. And so like sometimes it doesn't matter if you're hungry or not. You just have to meet a number on the scale and it could be a very toxic subject. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Josh says he feels the same way about boxing. I, all I think about every day, um, you know, interesting to hear your, your point of view. Oh man, R- ride that wave as long as you can, dude. It's, it'll be one of the most rewarding things ever. Like learning how to be a combat sport athlete is probably one of the most fulfilling uh, things in the world. And it's going to teach you lessons for a lifetime. That's awesome um now i'm really interested in talking about uh agt and ellen um, how did you go from chain you know training locally to being on these shows like how, how does that how does that happen and, and people probably are asking the same question too all the time how does that how does that happen? how does that work well when I, so Cirque du Soleil was like the first big show that i got in i was actually is weird because I, I, I just like planned and finally finished this like 43 city worldwide tour that I set up for myself. And I traveled to cities all through North America, South America, and Asia. And uh, I like just finished this like five month long tour. And then I got home and I'm like, I have no idea what I'm going to do with my life now. I'm so burnt out and tired. Like I need to kind of just like relax for maybe a month. And then I'm going to like re- reinvigorate myself. And then two weeks after I got home, uh, I saw somebody go like, oh, like goodbye, per- like to this person on the show. And I'm like, I knew they were a hand to hand porter. So I messaged that guy and I'm like, are you guys looking for, for hand to hand porters? He's like, dude, I didn't even like think of you when this came up. He's like, send me your demo reel. I'm like, I hadn't made a demo reel yet. So I made one, sent it in. And then like, a, like, it was like a day later, somebody from Cirque du Soleil reached out and we're like, here's a contract. And you're like, oh, this seems like a, a joke. Uh, <laughs> you know, like this seems yeah, like yeah, yeah. I'm being lined up for a joke. And, uh, so like I did that for 16 months and then I ended February, 2020, like three weeks before the company shut down wow. because of uh, COVID. And this has happened uh, fast, eh? Like AGT yeah, and Ellen, like. Yeah. And then from there, like the whole world shut down. So AGT always reached out to us every year on social media, you know, like they have, they have um, like talent coordinators or whatever. And they just every year, like, Hey, you should apply for AGT. And this was the year since nothing was going on because we were all basically just like all the opportunities in the world were gone. Uh, yeah. We're just like, why not? Let's do it this time. So we put together this routine. They loved it. They brought us on for it. They brought us to the live rounds. It went from a round of like 350 plus auditions down to 36. And we made that first cut, got to the quarterfinals, live rounds, and then got cut. Um, and then from there, Ellen popped up a little while later. Like we were, we were supposed to like, we were being brought in to do push-ups at Ellen's birthday for some reason. And then we're like, Hey, just, just so you know, like we have like other things we can do. And they're like, what other things? And then we showed them and then they're like, okay, why don't you come in? Maybe you guys will like get on TV. And then one of the guys in our group had like, like pop positive for COVID, even though like we went out and got like three other tests and all of them were negative. So we got like a false positive for a COVID test. And then they're like, okay, we got to push you back. Um, but why don't you guys come back in like two weeks 
and then we'll have everything set up a bit more. And then while we were driving there, uh, they called us and they're like, so by the way, you're 100% going to be on the show today. Ellen's going to do a full segment on you. Wow. And, and so it was kind of like one of these things that maybe if he didn't like pop positive for COVID the first time, we wouldn't have had that opportunity pop up. So it was kind of like this really nice, like what felt like bitter, like super bitter at the moment. <laughs> and then it turned into this like really, really awesome thing afterwards. So I kind of just like think like that's a good like reflection, like when, right when like something bad happens, as long as you stay positive and like look to kind of make things better. Stay positive get- with COVID and then also mentally. Exactly. Positive is <laughs> not a bad thing. <laughs> How did you feel after that? Like being like an Ellen's done, I think this month, if Ellen, I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Ellen, Ellen's already done. Uh, yeah, we got yeah. around our last season. That was like one of my lifetime performing goals or ever since I got into Acro, you know, I'm like, wouldn't it be cool to somehow have a good enough reason to get on Ellen. And then it turned into like this thing where it's like, we got her on her last season. And if you watch the episode of uh, our thing, right when they kind of click off the microphones and the, the, the cameras are pulling away and everything, you can still see me talking to Ellen. Uh, and she like leaned in and we, I feel like we had this, this super sincere moment between her and I. And she's like, well, I'm really happy we were able to make this happen before I, before I left. And she had this really sad look in her eyes. And for me, it was like this really, like really special moment that I had this this heart to heart feeling with with somebody that I've always kind of like looked up into in the uh, looked yeah. up to, it, looked up that at, like in this uh, performing world. Yeah, so. no, that's that's so cool. And I mean, best part you got muscle shirts out of it. Yeah, we wore those <laughs> once so far. <laughs> we got to wear more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and you talked about Ellen being a goal of yours. I, I want to talk about, you know, before we wrap up, where do you, I guess, what are your future goals? Ellen was one of your top goals. I imagine you have new goals that you're writing down now. Where are you looking to take your career and uh, positive impact movement next? So for, for me, one of the biggest, most important things in the world to me is the acro community. Uh, acro is like the thing that I do. Um, acro communities are all over the world. It is one of the coolest things in the world because it's a, it's a community that really thrives on kindness, positivity, inclusivity, everything like that. Mm-hmm. But ever since the last two years, basically all the Acro communities around the world shut down. And I feel that it's like my personal like duty to all of it to reignite every single Acro community around the world because of the things that we talked about earlier. And a lot of people like need that practice in their life to come back because without it, they they don't really meet the people that they want to meet anymore. They don't get to express themselves. They don't get to really kind of feel the rush of, of being alive. And I, I see that as my personal goal to, to restart that. So um, awesome. I'm just about to go on an East Coast acro tour where I go through like 16 different cities in like a month and a half. Then I'm throwing a, a festival called Acro Freedom where everyone yes. is welcome to it. There's nobody that's going to be turned away. The only thing that you have to do is contribute positively to the environment, which means believing in yourself, believing in others, encouraging others, encouraging yourself that's contributing positively to the environment. Everyone is welcome to it. It doesn't matter. Um, so that's my personal goal at the moment. We're still traveling around the world performing and that's amazing too, but like, that's fun for me. The other thing is kind of what feels like more of my purpose. Yeah, no, that's, that's so cool. And I, I, I've been seeing the, uh, the Acro Freedom Festival that you're throwing on. That's, that's amazing. And like, you're, you've really built a community of, of acro athletes that are following you and wanting to really learn right like 
not necessarily like just like the stunts and, and performances and different types of, I don't know what you call it, like movements. Is that yeah. a thing? Like, sure, whatever. Good word. Yeah, good word for it. <laughs> but yeah. um, no, they're like, it, like you mentioned, like it's almost like this therapeutic thing, like people with yoga, right? Like that's mm-hmm. like, I, I know yoga a bit, like that's something I guess you could probably compare it to, right? Like that mental wellness that it, it creates. Yeah. It gives a lot of people a lot of very calm feelings in their in a very hectic life for a lot of people, right? Yeah. No, that's that's super cool. And um, yeah, I mean, like your career's really early. Like you said, like all this stuff has happened in like the past two or three years. So I'm so excited to uh, continue following you and seeing where where life takes you next on this uh, acro journey. And appreciate I'm really it, glad Thank we you. had the the time to chat tonight, James. I appreciate it, dude. Thank you. Awesome. And those watching, thanks for tuning in. Make sure to watch the replay if you're watching right now or or later on coffeewithcranner.com and we'll see you soon.